Welcome to episode 17 of the Pregactive Podcast, as we talk with Rhea Dempsey, a childbirth educator, speaker, author, counsellor, birth attendant with experience at over 1,500 births. She is so knowledgeable in this topic of birth as we talk about going through birth with confidence. We debunk some myths all about pain. We talk about crisis of confidence. There's so much good value in this episode. So let's get into it. Hi, I'm Karen, the founder of Pregactive. And through this Pregactive podcast, I'm going to help you to feel empowered, informed, and confident through your pregnancy and motherhood journey. As we talk all things health, mind, and fitness. We are so excited to have Rhea Dempsey with us today. Now, Rhea is such an incredible experienced woman in the field of birth. Uh, She is a birth educator, a counsellor, best-selling author of incredible books. Uh, Birthing with Confidence is certainly one that I have loved personally. And just somebody who is so passionate about helping women to go into birth with confidence. So for those who don't know you, Ria, could you just give us a little bit of a background into who you are and what you do? Yes, great. Great to be with you, Karen, on the on our podcast and speaking to hopefully lots of pregnant or soon-to-be pregnant women out there. Uh, so I've been around the birth scene for um, 42, 42, 43 years now and started for me really coming off the birth of my own first child way back then. And, um, yeah, that, that, I mean, nowadays thinking about that birth, we were, I would have been talking about birth trauma coming through that birth. And so that woke me up. And coming off that, I then started to question a whole lot of things and then found myself in the home birth scene and have had all my other two daughters at home five grandchildren, homeborn babies as well. Um, so that started really then as a childbirth educator. and But that all sat upon the fact that before I had my children, I was a physical education and outdoor adventure sort of facilitator. So I guess somebody who is very much in my body and used to working with my body and used to, used to working hard with my body. And so that idea of, well, yeah, when you, when you take on some challenge, with your body, then that can be functionally, physiologically painful and you have to find a way to stay with it and go through those pain barriers and get your breathing in check and all of that. So I had really felt that my body would sort of serve me very well in terms of that that first birth and felt sort of quite arrogantly on top of it all before I went to it, you know, feeling like, yeah, I've got this. Um, what I hadn't understood at that point, which I've spent a lot of time unpacking and talking about in both my books, is really the sort of cultural and structural issues that are around birth and particularly in the, the systems, the hospital systems and what have you, that are not really, even back then, weren't really in tune with how to support women to just get on and let their bodies work. So um, 
so that has been a guiding that that discrepancy between an understanding about what the body can do and how to work with it, but then finding that that's not really so easily supported in the way we, as a culture, you know, socially conduct birth. And I've been talking about that intersection, I guess, in my in my books, both from the point of view of that phys ed teacher in me talking about birthing with confidence and dealing with pain. And the second book is more, I guess, about the psychological story that can sit underneath and deeply embedded in our bodies that can play out sometimes as well. So that's a bit I've been had the great privilege over all those years as an educator to also to be invited to so, so many births, it's 1500 or so now. Um, so that's a hell of a lot of hours to be hanging out beautifully with strong, powerful birthing women and in the, you know, walking in that fire with them. Um, so that teaches me a lot and... And I feel privileged, too, to have been long, you know, around in the early time, in particular before epidurals came into the picture and that's changed things out of sight. So I think some of us old birds have been around for a while. We've got to talk it up a little bit because, you know, there are now midwives coming through and obstetricians coming through who have never seen, hardly ever seen normal physiological childbirth anymore because of the what's happened, the, the sort of watershed moment of those epidurals coming in, which have changed things so dramatically. So I like every chance that I can get to be talking to, you know, presenters like yourself who are spreading the, you know, information more widely than I might otherwise be doing. So thanks for the invite to be talking to you today. And I think that's a big thing, isn't it? It's pain. Pain is is almost associated with fear when it comes to a, a pregnant woman, particularly her first birth, because it's such a big unknown. And there is so much talk about the pain side of things. But I just love how you, particularly in your book, talk about pain being um, different in in the birthing scene. Yeah, I think if I go, you know, draw the, those sort of links, thinking not just about me, but lots of us, I mean, lots of women before they have their babies uh, have been working with pain with their bodies in terms of, I don't know, achievements, whether it's their, you know, a bushwalk or a fun run or a gym workout or a yoga yoga you know intensive or all those ways that we feel to engage with our bodies and express that our strength and our potency and our capacity and our develop our wellness and our fitness and what have you then we're used to and we've got a mindset that that talks about yeah and I guess I I call it most strongly functional physiological pain you know the pain that you feel in your body when it's working well and you're achieving some goal whatever that is um and so we, we assume that, yeah, there's going to be some effort required, some burning muscles, some stretching ligaments, some, you know, some heaving chest and uh, to get that breath in and that all of that. And so we can normalise that in the context of taking on other you know, events in our body, other, other achievements and other ways of working with the body. But somehow or other, when it comes to birth, there's been a hijacking of the mindset, the cultural and social mindset, 
and a hijacking also within the sort of main structures in particular because birth happens predominantly in hospitals. So if we think about hospitals, if we're thinking about our bodies in relation to hospitals more generally, then we're thinking about pain in a very different way because we're thinking about, well, we go to hospital when things go wrong, when we're ill, when we've had accidents, when we're, you know, when something has gone wrong in our body and that the pain that we, that we associate with that is a pain which is debilitating, which is about danger, about damage, about things going wrong, about things not working. And in that case, in a hospital setting, of course, our key thing in a hospital setting in that context is to be kept as comfortable as we can be so that our body can get on with the work of the healing whatever that healing requires. And so in a hospital context, we have much more of a mindset about pain relief because we see the pain as being something that is, yeah, not, not helpful in those moments and alerting us to there's something being wrong in our bodies, but it's, it, we then need to be healing our bodies. So that mindset, which comes strongly in that hospital context, has blurred this idea of that healthy body that's working strong and hard at what I call peak performance levels, which is what happens in birth. And so then being able to work with that pain and embrace it and sure, need a few skills, need some support to, to keep going with that intensity. But that's a very different mindset and a different set of skills and a different way of thinking about it and requires different context than what we generally think when we're thinking about hospitals and pain and being in hospitals. But we've placed birth culturally right in the middle of that hospital sort of story. So um, then we, we want to, and again, I can't help but to go back to those epidurals because those epidurals have com compounded that mindset about pain relief into such a seductive passage package that when women think about birth now, yes, they think about pain, they're fearful about pain. There's that back sort of story about hospitals, birth in hospitals, danger, pain that's, you know, needs to be, I need to be saved from that pain or supported with those drugs. So it's a pain relief culture that is sort of presented by this seduction of the epidural. And as I said before, this has changed birth out of sight. Not only that, it's changed the sort of social and cultural mindset about that women should be comfortable when they're labouring and that they can be comfortable when they're labouring. But in fact, if you think of the word labour, I don't think it's ever talked about having to be comfortable while you're labouring. You're supposed to be working, yeah? But this mm -hmm. message is so strong and the pathways to, to uh, you know, head down to that... Um, epidural which is just just there waiting so seductive so that's blurring there between the pain relief idea that comes out of hospital and medical things going wrong and the sort of sidelining of of a sort of a strong message about working with pain which many of us hold quite dearly in other aspects of our lives but can't quite bring that into this you know, tough gig of, of, of birthing our babies. So It's almost um, like it being a victim.
isn't it? Like women or pregnant women are almost put into that category of, oh, you're a victim of this pain and this, you've got to go through this process instead of it being how incredible that your body is growing a baby and how incredible that your body is about to, to shift and change with all of those hormones and your uterus is going to contract for you and, you know, you're going to just work with your body. And instead of that being the language, it's, oh, good luck, you know, and, oh, here's, here's a terrorist, you know, a, a bad story and here's another one and, oh, when this happens to me and it's like, oh, don't give a pregnant woman, particularly I think, you know, either a first-time mum or a, a mother who has gone through, as you said, trauma previously. Like there is that fear build up um, and as much as they want the baby at the other end, it's this this period of time that they wish could just yeah, be gone. And like you said, sometimes that the medical intervention is that, oh, here you go, this is a way of of making that time go. Yes. I think that the, the there are a few things to have to understand about birth, you know. So it's it's one of the analogies I use in terms of the pain, the functional physiological pain and the intensity is it builds. You know, a labor is building and building and building and building in, in intensity. So it might not be entirely helpful, but it gives a bit of a picture. So you've got to imagine it's like a fun run where the start of the fun run is at the base of Mount Dandenong, for instance, here in Melbourne. That would be our reference point. But the end, the, the finish line is at the top of Mount Dandenong. So it's so that the whole intensity of working with your body for that fun run, and a lot of people have done fun runs and find that, yeah, it's fun at the start and it's fun at the end, but it's not necessarily fun all the way through. <laughs> it's and it's building and building and building. So that's a sort of a reasonable analogy for that building and building intensity of a labour. It is building. And that functional physiological pain, it shifts and changes at different times. And then, of course, the hormones shift and change and your, your brain waves change. And there's a whole lot of internal mechanisms that give support for women to do that work of, the, of staying with their body as that, that intensification of the process. Um, so understanding that is important, that intensification um, and some of those intensification points, which we might talk about a bit later. But I think one of the other things, certainly in some, you know, hospitals generally, as I've said, is more about pathological pain, of things going wrong in the body. And so what I, what I hear is that when women might think, yeah, well, I've done some breathing work and, yes, okay, I, I can open up to that working with pain. But once it does some of these jump-ups where it's more intense, because of this sort of blurring of the cultural message, they can start to think that something might be going wrong, yeah, that there's underlying that sort of fear about the pain. One part of it is, well, will I be able to cope with it? And another is, is because there's a strong stories about, well, birth doesn't work anyway, it's, it seems like it's, we need to do this and this and this and this because it doesn't seem like it works anymore. So when the pain starts to really intensify, a lot of women are, even if they've had a positive mindset about it, can start to think, oh, my God, that must mean something is going wrong. So um, that's the post-pathological signal. Well, mostly, no, nothing is going wrong. In fact, as it intensifies, like I'm saying about that fun run up Mount Dandenong, the intensification is a brilliant sign that it's going fantastically. Sure, you've got to engage with it, and that can take some support and some some 
some resources to do that, but it's not a signal that things are going wrong. It's a signal that things are going brilliantly. Um, whereas again, of course, there are, I mean, this is another thing to tease out, I think, because there are some things in labour that can be, be not going straightforwardly. Hardly any of them ever present as pain. This is something important for, for women and their partners to know. Yes, they can present in terms of the baby's heartbeat, the mother's heartbeat, the mother's blood pressure, the mother's temperature, so on. These are things that are being watched over by your caregivers. Very, very rarely does things that might go wrong present as pain. You can trust the pain. Trust that the pain and the intensification is about normal physiological childbirth. So occasionally, if the baby's in really a very awkward position and with some particular I mean, a, lay, a labor that's unfolding so beautifully, the where the mother is feeling things in her body and the intensification of the sensations is shifting and changing a little bit as the baby rotates, it's coming down, it's putting pressure at different points of the body. So there's some movement and shift in what she's feeling. And so she ideally is free to shift and move and to engage with that. Sometimes if babies are not in great positions, there can be an unrelenting particular set of uh, you know, demanding sensations, painful sensations that may be a signal about something not going straightforwardly, um, but there would be other signals that would be letting you know that too. So generally, that intensity is about your body working brilliantly. But the social mindset, the cultural mindset, as you say, is that we pity labouring women. We demonise the labour pain. And this certainly has come really very strongly since the time of epidurals being so prominent because that seduction of, well, that you can be comfortable, you can be comfortable and just doing angry birds on your phone or chatting with somebody or watching the telly or, you know, in, in disengaged, but you can be comfortable. That seduction, when we hit these points where there's a jump up in, in intensity in the labour, you can understand how come it happens, but this blurring about is this about danger or not, that's something very important for women to understand. So there's this demonising of labour pain, there's this adding to the fear because maybe the pain is about, as it would be in most other things to do with our body, you know, apart from if we know that we're engaging with some, you know, peak performance, but if you're getting some degrees of pain, we're thinking, well, there's something going wrong. So it's understandable. So um, it's quite a bit to unpack in all of that. And I, I guess um, that book, that first book of mine, you can hear the phys ed teacher in the in that in that book, as well as I think the the very privileged woman who's been invited to lots of births and seeing and watching women as they do that powerful work of birthing to birthing their babies and how they move through that intensive intensity and those shaky times in the labour too where they need some of that extra support. Yeah. And that's a big part, you know, I know you talk a lot about that in your book, is that there's obviously different stages within the, the labour and going into particularly you know, transition where, where the, the pain, the intensity can become so much that that is that point where women go, oh, just give me the drugs. And if 
supported around the right people that you know have debriefed about what her goals are for the, the labor um you know if if they're in that right mindset as well and they know how to support her well then she's got much better chance whereas if the the first time that the woman says just give me drugs or i just need to get out of this i can't do this if her first voice of that is then met with okay no problem well then here you go we'll, we'll do whatever we can to get you out of this position then she's got not as much hope because with birth as you know you've seen it a lot <laughs> is that you go into this ideally you go into an internal zone and if you're in that zone you might not be thinking as clearly and you may afterwards not regret but maybe go oh I wish I hadn't have had this at that point why did someone intervene and yeah so it is about having that right support people isn't it so there's there's a few things I'd like love to say to what you're saying there one of them is around again philosophies about pain the other is which I'll come back, let me say that one first, and then I'll come back to the point you're making, that I wish that the point at which the woman starts to crumble and feel like, get me the hell out of this, is a transition, if only, if only. Yeah. Much, much earlier. Earlier. Which I talk about in that first book. But Mm. let me just say, um, there's beautiful Australian midwifery research and also coming out of the UK, looking at midwives' attitudes towards pain in labour, yeah? And that they identify in that research that, as I've hijacked that language and use it, so that midwives themselves, some live and work with a pain relief mindset, which is dominant in the hospitals, But there are other midwives who would consider themselves to be sort of guardians of normal birth, normal physiological childbirth, who work much more with a working with pain mindset. So maybe just to generalise out from that, you know, who would be the experts in working with pain mindset? Well, it would certainly be your personal trainer or your netball coach or your swimming coach or your running buddies or your midwife who has that philosophy. And who are your pain relief experts? Well, it's your anaesthetist, your chemist, your nurses, your midwives with that mindset who know which drugs, when, how much, how often, what the effects are, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So in our birth culture, even with the midwives presently, there's many more who are working a pain relief, thinking about the pain relief. And this is the cultural message as well. There are those midwives out there that are working with pain midwives with that philosophy that, yeah, it's a tough gig and women need that sort of support. They are out there and they're hungry to work with women who want to. So, so there's a need on, on women's birth plans to be, to be declaring themselves so that those midwives who would love to give them that good juice when, that, when it's getting a bit tricky to keep them to work through just like your personal trainer might. Um, but they... Because so the other concept, I'll sort of link this together. The other concept that I talk about in that book is this idea of a crisis of confidence. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. And I tell that story that a woman who I was supporting and um, 
was called to the birth and the midwife was assuming that she was in transition, just as you said, because she was, the mum was starting to crumble and it was at a birth centre way back many years ago when we had birth centres here in Melbourne. Um, and she was, the midwife was thinking she was in transition. When I got there, I didn't think she was in transition. As it turned out, she wasn't in transit. She was only two centimetres, you know, very, very early, one of the first jump-up points in the labour. And so coming out of that with the midwife being so surprised and confused that she wasn't in, I then started to, to gather those stories and hear that this was starting to, to be a bit more of a thing that was happening, that the midwives were thinking it was transition, but in fact it was much earlier in the labour. So, so the phys ed teacher in me thought, well, we need another way to describe this. Because a lot of women do think that, that the point at which they are going to reach that where well, I can't do it anymore, it will be transition. No, no, no. So the points, you know, there can be a big crisis of confidence. And the crisis of confidence, so this is not a medical crisis. Nothing is going wrong. I stay with that analogy going fun run up up um, Mount Dandenong, it might be just around that first bend when you see that the, you know, it just goes straight up for a little while and you've got to run up there. So that might be the equivalent, you know, it's like where it starts to intensify. So that can happen at one to two centimetres is one. Another one can be at that four to six centimetres where there's a big crisis of confidence because that's really a big shift into established labour where it's, yeah, starting to become unrelenting. Brilliant sign of a fantastic labour unfolding, but, yeah, changing and women feeling like, oh, it's too much and so on. And particularly remember the bedrock now in the mindset is the total comfort that is promised by the epidural. So these um, points of intensification are happening much earlier in the labour. I'm hoping you and, and whoever's listening can really understand what a shift that is. Then um, there's another big crisis of confidence that comes around about that seven centimetres. And this, this is such a beautiful point in a labour because around seven centimetres is exactly the point where if women can be supported and they've got their own, uh, up until that point, they sort of need some degree of being able to respond to their body, some, some breathing, you know, being able to breathe into effort whether they've done that in their life by doing walking, jumping, skipping, gym workouts, yoga, or specific, you know, some sort of specific breathing technique that maybe is presented for birth. It doesn't really matter, but to have some, some mindset and skill about how to breathe into effort. So they certainly need that in, until they get to this point. But once they get to seven centimetres, ideally, and the whole, because this is at the point where the brain waves, are, the hormones are really doing their work on the mother's, the brain waves. She's moving into what I call the evolutionary regression, that cerebral cortex, this brilliant thinking brain that we've got. Uh, it's swamped by the endorphins that are coming through to support this deep sort of transitional space in the mother and at this point yeah it can be freaky it's another one of those crises of confidence but if she can be supported into it then what we get is she is dropping into primal territory and this birth is just going to go like a bomb how brilliantly so so many women i hear these stories all sorts of places that it's around that, that they've done all that preparation yes they want to have a go but at that seven centimeter mark that's often the point 
where the drugs come in. And it's such a tragedy because this is actually the point where our entire mammalian heritage is just about to come on board to support us through the rest of that, that labour as you know, our thinking brain goes out of the picture, our worrying brain out goes out of the picture, we drop much more deeply into the instinctive place. We don't even need to be thinking about how our breathing's going because we are breathing instinctively to what our body is requiring to birth that baby. But seven centimetres can be another big crisis of confidence. And then the transition, what used to tradi traditionally be thought of as transition, which is that last part of first stage when we're just going to shift into bearing down and our baby coming down, you know, as we... Um, bear down, press down, welcoming that baby down through our vagina and out into our arms, that that transition is sort of that, it's a tricky part because transition refers actually to big changes in what the uterus is doing because no longer is it sort of um, dragging muscle fibres and opening, opening, opening that cervix. The cervix is now coming to just about be fully open and the energetic sort of energetics of the uterus then are to be bearing down so as a confusion if you like in actually what's happening in the muscle tissues itself and that sort of confusion can of well no, I didn't, you know I'm feeling this sensation and this sensation there's so many different sensations do I do this do I do that do I it's like that um it's not that, well women can sometimes be thinking that but it's like in the physiology that's what's happening. There's like a, so many changing body signals that women can get a bit thrown by that. And that's really what that traditional idea of transition was. But these crises of confidence that I'm talking about are much more around, yeah, that, that we pity labouring women. We tell them it's too much for them, the poor things. They don't have to do this hard work. It's too painful. It's do this and do that. And so what are we left with then when, when we get into that tough gig? Yeah crisis of confidence I can't do it I don't like it how will I ever get through it and then with a system around them which is pretty much premised on pain relief you poor thing yes you deserve this and we can save you well that's where it all starts to crumble so for women who are what I call willing women women who really want to have a go at normal physiological childbirth they have got to be very savvy about the choices they're making. They've got to be very savvy about having on board that, that midwife, you know, those midwives who know how to support women through these crises. I mean, a well-supported crisis of confidence maybe, you know, it's not a medical crisis, nothing going wrong, everything going brilliantly. Maybe it can last four or five or six contractions, maybe depending on where it is in the labour, you know, half an hour or maybe four or five contractions over a 10-minute period. It's not that it's the whole of the labour. It's just these jump-up points, except that they are crucial because if women can't be supported through those jump-up points to get on a new groove with that greater intensity with the labour, then the drugs will come in and the labour will be hijacked and we then have a whole different story unfolding. So that concept, it seems like that concept of a crisis of confidence and thinking about it like that because I would reckon anybody who does, like if you do your gym routine, you're in your yoga class, you're doing that fun run or whatever, you're going to reach some points where you think, what the hell did I get up at four o'clock in the morning to do this for? You know, can't do it, don't want to do it. You know, so who's getting you back into your rhythm? Who? You know, maybe it's your running buddies. Maybe it's your yoga teacher. Maybe it's the personal trainer. Maybe it's your partner. I don't know. People who 
people, it needs to be somebody who got some credibility in that situation to understand, yeah, yeah, it's a tough gig. You're going well, it's a tough gig, but let's just get a rhythm with our breathing with you for a few contractions. Let's shift position. Let's just do this and get through this, these next few contractions, and then women get back into their rhythm again and off they go. So um, they need to be savvy to back themselves with some good experience support to move them through those crises of confidence points and to recognise them as yeah, challenging but not medically. There's nothing going wrong not getting hijacked into that medical story, trusting that they can get their rhythm back and be supported to trust and to get their rhythm back. So it's a big message, I think, and I so love it when I hear you know, that, that people have got that, got that concept and lots of midwives are, certainly know it and they're, they're hungry to work with women who mm. want that extra expertise at those points. But... Have you got a working with pain midwife or have you, who, that, that's her philosophy, or have you got a midwife who's a pain relief and she sees her best duty of care to give you the drugs to save you because she sees you suffering. The personal trainer doesn't see you suffering. The midwife who is, is we're working with pain midwife, she is not seeing any suffering. She is seeing potency. The doula is seeing, she is seeing brilliant, strong contractions with a mother's body that's just working just brilliantly. And we're celebrating that potency and saying, yeah, it's tough, it's tough. Come on, let's another few contractions. We'll work through this. But those different mindsets about mm. pain and the enactment of either of the drugs or the particular experience support, this is what hijacks what's going on. And the, risk, the stats are that in Australia, four out of five women who labour will be using medical pain relief. This is the default setting. So you can hear I'm passionate about it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's so funny. Though. One thing I loved about when I was reading your book was that it, if you go in it, almost in a way expecting there to be some sort of um, crisis of confidence not that every woman will go through it and I like that you talked about that too because um I know there was a point where you say there may be a you know the intensity for this woman this willing woman but uh, if she's got her ways herself to also deal with it it might not come across and I remember after reading that part, part I turned to my husband and said to him did I ever say I can't in labor he goes no no not really and I was like well I know my point of I felt like I can't <laughs> and I know that point was when Max my baby boy his head had popped out and I thought oh done I'm done he's just gonna slip on out and he didn't his shoulders were big and that was a point but it was too late for me to say I can't because I already had his head out but I also remember um, early, early when I was at home and uh, I threw up um, and I thought, oh, God, this is not fun in any way. Like I don't want to be throwing up through this whole labour because I had all these birth skills that I was, you know, prepared to use, but if I'm just throwing up, that's not going to help me. And then, and then I 
threw up again. I think it was the next contraction. I threw up again and I called my midwife and I told her, I was like, I've just thrown up twice. She goes, oh, great, good. <laughs> and she's like, that just means your body is really getting into it. I just suggest you don't eat anything because your body can't digest it right now. It's too busy processing. And her mentality on that, for her to say, oh, good, was like, oh, yes. okay, good. And it was so reassuring. And I thought to myself, well, good, if I throw up again, I'm not going to be scared or nervous or fearful of this. I'm actually going to be like, oh, well, I've just got some um, food in my stomach that my body still needs to get out. And hopefully that's the last one. But if not, it's all right. And that that those those words and that attitude towards it was so good. So I think you're right in in if you're in that moment of, oh, my goodness, I don't know what's happening and you talk to the right person who reassures you, it, it helps you. Yeah, yeah definitely. Exactly. It just helps to settle. It's like there's an alert starts to come in your thinking and feeling and then that means in your hormones in your body. So then somebody can normalise that mm. or celebrate that or encourage, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that, that, that just helps to settle so much of that and we can just get back in and stay present with, with, with doing the work of it. Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things, you know, sadly I do far, far, far too many birth debriefings, far, far too many. And, um, I mean, you know, well, I love to do a birth debrief when we hear about these brilliant, brilliant labours that have gone straightforwardly. And I do hear those, but I hear far too many where women have gone in with a particular set of expectations and it hasn't really come through like that. And one of the things more complex than, than we'll be going into here. But one of the things I think it's from the point of view of this idea of a crisis of confidence, I mean, there may be some women who are who are listening who are thinking, yeah, yeah, but I've done all this, you know, I've been practising this and practising this and, you know, I'm pretty sure I won't have a crisis of confidence. Um, I'll be, I'll have it covered. Um, I think that it's easier to, you know, to, imagine that you might have a crisis of confidence and prepare specifically for that. And if you then find out that you never had a crisis of confidence, well, that's pretty easy to adjust to, a bit like your story. But if you go in thinking, I'm never going to have a crisis of confidence and I'm never going to need anybody to, to give me a little bit of a heads up at some point or come in closer or what have you, and you don't prepare for it, but then it happens, that's a bit harder to make your adjustment from. And so, yeah, I'm hoping Definitely. that... I think yeah, a lot people. of women go in thinking, I've got these breathing techniques, which of course are so useful. And it's it's also, you know, what I teach women's breathing techniques, yes. But yeah. if that's all you've got, you've got some breathing techniques and a couple of candles or you know, something that's things that you've created this environment to stay calm and relaxed. It's not to say that your body won't won't go through these bigger contractions and you won't get to these points. Yes, the idea is to stay calm and relaxed as best you can. Um, you don't want to go into the tense and the stress, but it's not to say that it won't be intense. And that that's a big part. I feel like a lot of women go, oh, my, I'm not, I'm going beyond this comfort zone and now now I don't know what to do. I can't focus on relaxing because I'm just not relaxed and they go into panic mode. And that's a big thing is, is um, the being physically strong in your body, yes, but also resilient in your mind as well, knowing that, yeah, you've got to get up that hill and, and 
things that will help you through that and knowing a big part of it is this will pass you know this nothing's permanent that would definitely kept me going through but it's only for a um, particular period of time and that time will pass which is hard to think about when you're in the moment (laughs) but if you can think like that and know that yeah well, at least to think like that until then, you know, the whole thing is dropped into that very evolutionary regression and there, there's no thinking going on. There's just responding mm. to that body. But also I think there, there can be that, um, that aspect that maybe for some women they're, they're feeling like, yeah, it should be just a smooth breathing sort of rhythm or something all the way through. Uh, you know, women are powerfully birthing, roaring with, their, with the contractions or... You know, it's not necessarily just a, a very quiet sort of panting or... or it was so loud. Exactly. <laughs> My husband said, he goes, this time can you go into this year because this year is gone. <laughs> so all the, the, you know, low, deep sounds, not not high pitch, but low, deep sounds that are almighty loud and... Um, yeah, I, would, I kind of would love to see a video of my birth, but I also don't got to. <laughs> you know, yelling and roaring, that strong, mm. open sound. Yeah, not high-pitched screaming. That's a panic sound, and somebody needs to come in there and really reassure that woman and bring her bring her yeah. back into the breathing, which is more connected to what's going on in her body rather than a, that freak out. Yeah, so that's a skill. They're skill levels, yeah, so to have people around who know how to support the, those sort of differences and changes. But yeah, but but to think that women are just you know just going to be quietly, free. it's like you know if you did do that fun run up Mount Dandenong, I don't think your breathing is going to stay perfectly solid and perfectly calm and perfectly you know the whole way through. It's going to be a bit of huffing and puffing and um, heavy breathing and. And it's normal. All part of the normal process of physiological effort, strong physiological effort in the body is part of that story yes amazing thank you so much Rhea I hope that the women listening have a bit more confidence in their their ability I feel like as as women as their bodies and going into the birth with confidence I think is so so important and the right skills but also the right mindset so thank you so much for joining and sharing all your knowledge with us today it's been absolutely amazing great so beautiful to have you on you know loving to I had so many privileged experiences you know and and if I can then be there a voice for sharing you know women's just that potency and uh, to bring that to uh, to women now coming to have their babies, then I'm very pleased. So thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> Thank you. What an incredible conversation all about birth and going into birth with confidence as we debunk some of the myths about pain and change the mindset on expectations going into birth. So important to surround yourself with those who are confident in you and communicating well with you and are your team, are your support. All of this is here at the show notes at pregactive.com. Thanks for listening to the Pregactive Podcast. 
We love hearing from you. So leave us a comment or a review. And hey, even request a future podcast when you head over to the show notes at productive.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with a friend because the more, the merrier. See you next time.